Hey mama, thank you so much for joining us again on the Mompreneur Show. On this episode, I am interviewing Wardy from traditionalcookingschool.com. Now, Wardy has an incredible story on how she got started. Just like many of you have incredible stories, something happened in your life that you wanted to share with the world, and that's what she has. And it's very interesting, very empowering. And she also has a very interesting monetizing model, not very traditional in the blogger space. I hope you will stay tuned. So, so good to have you. And as I mentioned before the recording, I've been following you for a little bit and it's really incredible to, to see your journey and to see how far you've come. It's truly amazing. So, um, I really want to talk to you about your journey because I know that, um, you, you have quite an interesting story behind why you started traditional cooking school. So I would love for you to share that with us. And it's, and was an online business in your plans before that? Like, what, what's your story? I'd love to hear. Sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to keep it in a nutshell. Uh, <laughs> I would say I always had a dream of um, making a living, making money. I mean, I tried various things. I sold Mary Kay. I did all kinds of crafts. Um, and one day we had a light bulb in our family when my husband was like, you know, what would be great is if we could have a business that was actually what we were doing wow. <laughs> with our life. And, um, and it soon came to be true because um, we had food allergies and just different issues in our family, health issues, and they were healed through food. And when I began blogging about that and sharing the recipes and the stories and just how much healthier we were getting through food, there was a lot of interest. And then that was the answer to what are we going to do? Uh, what is our family business going to be? We were, we just grew traditional cooking school from that, sharing about the traditional methods of food preparation. And if I could just explain a little bit about traditional cooking. Yes, please do. Yeah. I'd love to. So traditional cooking um, is with whole foods, but you pay a lot of attention, whole quality ingredients, but you pay a lot of attention to how you prepare them because some foods have things that might cause digestive issues or um, mineral depletion. And so traditional methods like sourdough or soaking or sprouting, they make your mm -hmm. foods more digestible. And those were the things that made the difference for our health. And also with traditional foods, people might say, oh, you know, what do you mean? I don't want to spend a lot of time in the kitchen. Well, mm -hmm. for, for a from scratch cook anyway, for people who believe in from scratch cooking, traditional cooking doesn't really take more time. Although you start things earlier, like you start your sourdough bread yesterday. If you want to have it today, mm -hmm. you start a pot of rice soaking yesterday, if you want to have it today, things like that, but it doesn't really take uh, more time and it can make a huge difference in your health. And so the time that these changes were happening in our family was a time of um, the real food movement. And even the small niche within that of traditional cooking was really blowing up on the internet. Lots of people mm -hmm. were interested. Other people were having health crises like we did. And so people were really, really interested. And so I launched an online class on the fundamentals of traditional cooking. And um, it was received very, very well. And since, and then traditional cooking school, we turned it into a membership continuity offering where we just continually add content. So our first class was fundamentals and we are now uh, we've we're done with our 10th class and we'll be doing our 11th class. This is since 2010. It's been at the rate of one or two classes every year 
of just videos and print tutorials, step-by-step -step tutorials of community around it where people ask questions and fellowship and visit. Uh, and it's very rewarding work. And it answered the question, wouldn't it be great to have a family business that we were doing so we're actually living ourselves. <laughs> we can yeah. turn it into a family business. That's amazing. So, so that's, that's kind of it in a nutshell. <clears throat> that, that's incredible. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now I have all sorts of questions for you now. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, um, I would love if you could tell me, I know that you have a sweet story about your son being yeah. born. I would love for you to share that because there's so many mamas in here. And I, and I know that some of them are struggling with the same. Sure. Well, our son is our third child. And this journey of ours of getting healthy really started when he was born, even though our first child had gluten sensitivity. Um, it just kind of all came to a head when our son was born because we he had eczema from day one, really, really bad eczema, mm. painful eczema. And we didn't really figure out what his food allergies were for two and a half years. But by he, by the time he was two and a half years old, it was all cleared up because of avoiding foods. And um, the sweet part of the story is that, you know, we just ached for him for two and a half years. And we had this son with just this itchy skin and he was just, it just wasn't comfortable. And we'd lather him up with olive oil every night. Um, he'd have to, you know, stay, he couldn't play at the park because of whatever they spray on the grasses, or he'd have to wear long clothes and the heat, long sleeves and long pants at the heat of the summer. So we worked around it for so long, but at two and a half years, we finally figured out his food allergies. And this was after pediatricians, we've had testing and they said, oh, there's no food allergies. He's just going to have to live with it. And we said, you know, we have cleaned up everything possible we can on the outside. There has got to be something he's eating. And it turned out to be eggs that he was wow. allergic to. And that wow. was just phase one of the story because later on we were introduced to this idea of traditional cooking where the way you prepare your foods and the quality of the ingredients is very, very important. It's not just eggs, but it's, are they pastured eggs where the chickens aren't eating genetically modified corn and soy and where they can run in the sun and they have vitamin D? Um, mm. Are you like doing sourdough bread instead of just regular whole wheat bread with yeast? Mm from the store. So those became very important. And through using the traditional methods, his eczema is actually healed, as well as our daughter's gluten sensitivity. So it was a, it was a process, a wonderful process. We say he's like, uh, he's like the canary in the mine for us. You know, the story about the canary going into the mines. And if the canary, the canary is very sensitive to the gases that could kill the people. And I'm, um, Obviously, I'm not advocating killing birds, <laughs> but the canary could share when it was dangerous for people to go there. And so our son was like our canary because and any things that we weren't necessarily sensitive to, he was sensitive to. So opened up our eyes to this big picture of food and health. And we're Christian and we believe that God has a plan for the food we eat and that we have way departed from it in our industrialized mm, yeah. food world, you know, commercial foods, processed foods, Monsanto. I mean, food, most of the food in quotation marks that's on the shelves is poison. So we feel like we're more in touch with God's design um, through what we've recognized and learned. We, we give thanks, even though those two and a half years were so hard. <laughs> Um, just living with a son who's always itching and crying, you know, as a mom, so do so many people here, that even the little things can just chafe away at your home's happiness and you have to work around them. And so when we were, when that, that big thing was answered for our family, we were overjoyed. 
And I finally got to, you know, feel my son's soft skin after two and a half years and then see that he could eat eggs again and not wow. because of the healing that had taken place. So that's, wow. just- <laughs> that's incredible. Thank you so much for sharing that because we all can relate to it. And I read a little bit about it on your blog and it's so heartwarming. And there's so many people struggling with their children, with all, all sorts of things like that. But yeah. what's interesting to me, I know this is like not even the show for health food stuff, but like, I'm so like, it's so interesting to me. It's so interesting that he had eczema, but then he would go to the park and be had a, have a reaction to the grass. Like, but would uh, if he wouldn't have that reaction, or if he would be like, does he still have a reaction to the grass? No, no. Okay, that's very interesting. Yeah, very it's, interesting. It's internal healing. I mean, a whole other conversation we can have is the health of the gut, and his body was just basically reacting to food and all kinds of toxins, and so it was overloaded. So it was very easily irritated by pesticides and grasses and weeds and such. And and now his gut has healed to the point where he's not like overreacting to everything. So it's it's very balanced, mm, uh, and he's very not interested in that state of being irritated or easily, you know, flaming up with rashes. And he, he he's 15 now. <laughs> so this was actually a long yeah. time ago. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, absolutely. And so, um, no, very interesting. And I really appreciate you sharing that. So how long ago did you start sharing your recipes, sharing what's working for your family and how, I mean, because obviously it takes some time to grow that community and how soon after did you launch your school and what, how was it like? Okay. Well, I was just blogging family and personal things. And then I got into sharing about what we were doing on our food. So then I started a blog of food, a traditional cooking blog in 2009, Mm -hmm. um, which is the, um, the way we started before traditional cooking school, it's an acronym for God's natural organic whole foods grown locally in season. So now we're traditional cooking school by Ganalflins, uh, just so people more easily know what we are. But at the heart of it, we eat Ganalflins and the first blog was called Ganalflins. In fact, it still is Ganalflins, but it's rebranded. And that was in 2009 and the community just sort of grew and the need for teaching grew. So when I launched our first class in 2010, we had well, I don't like to say numbers online, but there were hundreds of hundreds of people who signed up for that very first class. It was a great, great success. And it was just meant to be a one-time five-month course, but the mm-hmm. demand was so great. We had so many people saying, Can you keep can you keep giving us information? We want to stay. So then it turned into a continuity membership and has grown from there. That's, so that was very, very, <laughs> that's very, very interesting. Yeah. So um, I'm in the middle of, and I have never shared this online, but in the middle of working on a community for uh, mom entrepreneurs, yeah. and I'm really heartbroken between the membership site, the monthly membership site, and the one-time course. And it's so interesting how you start. You started it as a what you said five week, five um, month, five five month. month. Uh-huh. Oh wow, five month. Okay, f- potentially five month uh, thing, and then turn out into ongoing type of recurring. Um, a value for your members and recurring revenue for you. So that's really incredible. And they asked for it themselves, which is amazing. What would you say? Like, what would you um, prefer? Well, I can share my reasoning for you on why we do what we do is because if somebody purchases in as a one time, our work is not done. 
and we continue support to keep the materials updated and to support their progress and keep the site alive. And the other thing is, how, how long are you going to sell it for? And, and kind of the industry standard is you buy something and you have lifetime access. Well, I didn't feel like I could ever like ethically promise that because what if somebody purchased a course and I mean, what does lifetime mean? I could die. My husband could die. We could have disability in our family and not be able to support that purchase. So we just decided to be very upfront about we are supporting you um, in this learning process for as long as you want to keep your membership active. And during that time, we'll have webinars and we'll have new lessons and we'll support you um, in our community um, and all those things. And so it very much was a better ethical fit for us. Number one, ethical fit. It felt like a promise I could make. I am here this month. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that I don't intend to be here in 10 years because I do. But I don't know the end. And I don't really want to take uh, money from somebody to promise that I'm going to be here in 10 years when I, I don't hold that in my hands. I'm not in charge. <laughs> very interesting. That's such a great um, view on that because so many people do create courses and they offer lifetime membership, but you really don't know. So you really don't know. And it makes me a little suspect when I'm purchasing theirs because I, I do, I purchase things. Yeah. And I think, well, you know, I better grab it now because, because <laughs> it might not be here in five years, even if I paid this right now. Uh, the other really? thing is, you know, a community of active, engaged members, people who are supporting it every month. It, it is, it's like people making a commitment to it and it makes it a richer community where people are actively working because they know they're contributing every month and supporting this and mm -hmm. supporting their learning or supporting the organization. Um, so it's like, it's like more of a two-way transaction. Like you're giving, I'm giving, and it's mutually, mutually beneficial. I mean, I make a, a promise and I, I, I put it first to, to deliver service to our members and uh -huh. they are doing the same thing with mm -hmm. their monthly support. Mm -hmm. So when you started the, the membership site in about mm -hmm. 2010, you said, right. Mm -hmm. um, did you have any other monetizing models for your blog? Did you have any ads or any whatever ad sense, anything on your blog? before? I've then? never done ads. I've occasionally done sponsored posts. I don't prefer to do that though. I do carefully mm -hmm. choose affiliate promotions and I usually choose them with products that would support what our members and our readers are trying to do. You know, mm -hmm. so I vet them carefully and I'll make recommendations for other eBooks or other courses, like things maybe I don't cover because they're more specialized, like maybe gut healing, um, or books and resources that will help with their learning. So our monetization is number one, our membership, traditional cooking school, you know, the materials and resources we do every month for members. And number two, affiliate offers that are carefully vetted to make sure they're a good match and the audience would want them. That's, mm. the, that's the model. Uh, we do have some people who prefer not to um, learn via membership and so they can uh, purchase our ebooks and ebooks are a compilation of all the individual pdf downloads of any class so it's just compiled into one so members actually often decide to purchase them because it's easier than downloading things singly but it's also an a la carte option for somebody who's like i don't i don't need the videos or i don't need the membership but i'd really like the information and so then they get an ebook download very very interesting so the videos do not come with the pdfs uh, the ebooks, I do include 
depending on which one, I do include a couple videos, mm -hmm. but I but not the entire class. No, the entire okay. class would have to the entire class worth of videos has to be accessed through uh, a membership. Okay, membership. very very interesting. I love that you have the same content, but it can be delivered in many many different um, sort of many different ways. And which brings me to this question: You have been super active online. You have been, you're podcasting, you're periscoping, you're blabbing, you're blogging, <laughs> you're everywhere. It's incredible. Like, I really want to hear how do you balance everything? Do you have separate days for separate channels that you do? How do you, how did you decide? How do you see, do you see that return on investment? Sorry, it's a, it's a ton of questions at the same time. I'd love to hear. Sure. Well, um, I wouldn't be doing any of this if I couldn't fellowship and talk to people. So, you know, doing the videos for you, for you, both YouTube and members, doing the Periscope, doing the podcast, all of it is so um, selfishly rewarding to me because I don't want to have a conversation in a background, in a vacuum, I mean. So, uh, you know, those things just really make me like have fun with this <laughs> to really yeah. enjoy what I do. Um, I, I, when I started, I couldn't have done all this, but we're to the point now where we have quite a large team. Um, not, I don't, large wouldn't take qualification, but anyway, I have lots of helpers, both with customer service and social media and, um, some technical things. And then we have a crew, a really good crew of blog writers that do articles, uh, three days a week. And I have a, a gal who helps me with, um, content and editing. So anyway, I couldn't be so active on social media and do so much interaction with readers and subscribers if I didn't have the help. Um, so really that is the key to balancing. Um, and as far as like our family and whatnot, I still, it is a full-time job for me. Um, three, three years ago, my husband retired from his very stressful uh, management job. So it was really good for our family that he could do that. And so he supports our children are all teenagers or one of them's out of the house. So, but when he retired, he saw a need for, um, we were homeschooling and I was having real trouble balancing then with the business and homeschooling the kids. So he saw an immediate need there and was like, this is perfect timing because I'm going to do that. So he finished up the kids education, um, and that was great for our family and great for them because he is a teacher at heart. He's a really, really good teacher. And the kids have gotten a fabulous education through him, fabulous high school education through him that I honestly could not have given them. So it was perfect timing. Um, and so I, I guess it's been about a year. Our house is very small. And because of all the video and audio work that we do and everybody being home, I mean, we're, when you homeschool and you have four other grown people in the house besides yourself and it's small and I didn't don't have an office uh, that's in a closed room. So I rented an office in town. This is where I am right now. And I spend two to three days here a week doing the, you know, the stuff that I have to batch all day long that if I did at home, you know, the family wouldn't be able to do anything. They'd have to be locked in their rooms all day and they wouldn't be able to eat or go to the bathroom or laundry or anything because it's just too much noise. <laughs> so you just grow into it. I guess that's the bottom line is as you want to grow and expand your business and your reach, you have to 
uh, I have had to learn the hard way to delegate to save my sanity and save my family's happiness. And also to just, I think for about a year, I bemoaned the fact that there were so many things I wanted to do on social media and I couldn't do them at home. And I was just carrying this chip on my shoulder. And then it hit me. Well, why couldn't you rent a place? <laughs> what, you know, why does this have to be a point of contention and make you like hate your work because there's, you know, noise around. Um, so I started looking around and this place where I am is fantastic. It's uh, downtown Roseburg, Oregon, and it's a second floor of a renovated building that is shared by other entrepreneurs. So there's, I don't know, 10, 12 little offices here. And some people are here every day. I just come a couple times a week because I do like to be home. I do. And I have, you know, I'm all set up there to edit videos and do all kinds of work that doesn't require you know, a, a studio, quiet studio. That's amazing. So how do you do your uh, videos in your kitchen? Do you then tell everybody to get out of the house or what, what happens? Yeah, it depends on what the strategy is for the video. Cause a lot of videos I uh, do voiceovers mm. and describe and I, but the actual demonstration is just my hands. So I don't actually, the family doesn't actually have to be quiet because I have the video, the camera on a tripod, just looking down or looking at the stove or whatever I'm doing. So it catches the action, but I don't ever intend to use the sound. So sometimes when I'm, it takes a lot, you know, the camera's going to pick up the sound no matter what. So sometimes I joke with the family about how, you know, I'm editing a video and I'm like, you wouldn't believe what I'm listening to right now. <gasps> that is so funny. <laughs> so like my husband's like preaching and it's this, you know, this really strong Bible lesson or, or the kids are like, they, they're really good kids, but you know, everybody bickers a little bit. So there's a little bit of tense conversation, in the <laughs> but it never makes it into the member videos. Oh. <laughs> wow. That's so yeah. funny. I cannot even imagine how, um, what that would be like for me to, cause my kids, I'm like, my mother-in-law's with them reading them stories right now, but my other son was just in here. I'm like, well, yeah, some things you just like your people actually want to see your life. So it's okay. They don't expect perfection. I, for years, well, see, I do my own video and I have my camera on my tripod. And occasionally when I need a helping hand, I'll ask my son because he's kind of gifted and interested in that. And I'll be like, Micah, can you hold the camera right here? Because I need this angle. And so he'll do it. We'll do a couple takes. Um, but for the first couple years, um, I think I forgot this feedback from members. They were like, we really want to see the person behind the camera. It must be your husband. Oh. But it's like this whole other side. And we just really want to see like, what's, what's going on over there? Oh my goodness. So <laughs> and I had to say, it's a tripod. <laughs> He's not actually behind the camera. That's so funny. So do you get that a lot from members? They, that they want to see the behind the scenes of your life? Yeah, I do. And I, I, I don't reveal it that often because I am a very private person, but I've like done, I've done a kitchen tour. This was years ago, a kitchen tour. So people could see our whole pantry and everything. That's just for members. I've done an office tour of this building right here. And I gave that to our members. So yeah, I show some things behind the scenes, but I do prefer to be private. Of so. course, of course. And I love that you balance that so well. I try. That's awesome. <laughs> Wardy, 
your story is so inspiring. And I love that you brought on a, a, a totally different um, monetizing model for, for our listeners that, you know, you can monetize by giving <laughs> some value and instead of running ads on your website. So that's very, very helpful. I really appreciate that. So um, do you have anything else to share? And while I ask members if they have um, any um, any questions, you guys, if you have questions, please um, type in a question mark and then type in your question um, and we'll close up, finish up in just a few minutes. Yeah, so I think Natalia is just saying she loves the um, thing I just said, people don't expect perfection. And I guess I would, I would just end with encouraging everyone who's on this path or a similar path of entrepreneurship that don't be afraid to fail. Cause I fail every day, but you only get better if you have, you know, if you have things to learn from and failures teach us much more than successes. So whether it's a video or a podcast or whatever, it's so important to be yourself and to try hard, just give it your best your best isn't perfection. Your best is your best and it's who you are. Um, and that goes, that goes so far, <laughs> uh, just with the relationship. I mean, relationship is the most important thing that you want to build, um, with your community. And if you want to monetize it, it does have to be a relationship where the people trust you so that they're willing to support it with, you know, what you recommend or the services that you provide. That is the end goal, I think, of everyone here. And it unapologetically, I, that is my end goal, is to make a, to have a, a life worth living where I'm helping people and it's a mutually beneficial transaction so that we can continue to do the things we do and don't have to, you know, make money elsewhere. Mm -hmm. um, so I just love it. And I feel so blessed that we're able to do that. Mm. Thank you so much. That was really, really powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that, for coming on. I know you're very busy. So spending time with you was really, really such a treat. Um, we hear, me too. thank you so much, Wardy. And I have a question here uh, from Nina. Nina says, I feel like I would be afraid that nobody would want to be a member at my membership site. Have you felt that way? Yes, I think we all have those doubting moments. Um, I, I probably feel that way every day. Like, why? <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> Is this all going to go away tomorrow? But I think you just have to, you have to focus on how you can help people and what you can share. And if you are serving people and if they are valuing what you're teaching or showing them, that's the common denominator that brings you together. So you don't think about it in terms of like you're insecure or you're not perfect. Think about it in terms of a value exchange. You are offering the best of you, what you can teach and what you can show. And if that's good and valuable, there's no, you don't need to doubt it. You just need to, you know, work at it. And don't expect an overnight success. There's mm. no overnight successes. There's 10 years of, learning your craft behind being successful. And, and me, I chip away at it every day and I try to grow every day. Um, and it's a slow process. And mm -hmm. you know, every one of us has goals, whether you're at the very beginning or you're five years into it, you still have goals to reach for. And that just takes chipping away at it. And that means chipping away at your doubts mm. for sure, because they hold you back more than anything. Mm. That's very interesting. Wordy, thank you so much for answering that question. Now I have a follow-up question. So when you yeah. were... 
when you had that idea of creating that five month long course, how did you make sure that that's exactly what your readers wanted? Right. Did you do like a test? I didn't. Questions? Like, did you survey your audience? No. Hmm. I didn't. Um, I know that's controversial. People say survey your audience. I've come to see that the best survey is when people put their money down on what you Mm. offer. And for me, I didn't, I was a couple weeks ahead on that class, a couple weeks of content. I had it all planned out. So I knew that I could fill it and I'm really good with deadlines. So there was no problem with me filling it. But my survey was, this is what we're going to do. Do you want to buy it? Mm. And hundreds of people wanted to buy it. So that was my resounding, that was my survey. It wasn't the survey you're asking for, but it was a survey. It was a buyer survey, a pre-order. Um, before that I did have a good, I had a good feeling about it because I was blogging about it and we were getting lots of readers and lots of questions and even people saying, could you show me more? So it seemed like it would go, mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't know of course, until it went up for sale. <laughs> Very interesting. Very interesting. Thank you so much. That gives me, and I hope a lot of uh, viewers, um, some ideas and um, some things to implement. So Wardy, again, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for joining us. It has been a true pleasure and I hope to chat to you again soon. Okay. Okay. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Wasn't that incredible? Wardy is such an inspiration to us moms. She is such an inspiring mom and entrepreneur. And I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I hope that you will join us live next time every single Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific. 1 p.m. Eastern. And please join us in the conversation. It's a live show that happens every Monday and we all get together and we interact in the chat box. We ask questions. So it's a very collective interview. I hope you will join us again at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, every single Monday. I'll see you next time.